Hello, and welcome to Talk Social to Me. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and today, Ben interviews me and all about my wonderful and very chaotic journey to becoming a social media manager, a content manager, a marketing manager, all of the managing of all the social medias. It was a fun little episode to make. It's fun to look back on basically what you've done over the past 10, almost 15 years, which is crazy to think about. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode and let me know what you think by sending me a message over on Instagram. I would really, really, really love to hear what you think. And now I'm rambling because I'm nervous, but please enjoy my episode. Hello, 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 Benny. How are you today? I am great. How are you, Marketing Mackenzie? Oh, Marketing Mackenzie. I am actually very good today. The sun is actually coming out and shining here in London, so it's a first for everything. Beautiful. How are you over in Toronto land? Uh, The sun's out as well. We're pretty lucky with the summers here, so I can't complain too much, but it is quite sunny today, so hey, I'll I'll take it. Yeah, I'm going to go on a little walk today, a little mental health walk. I literally can't walk right now because I had knee oh. surgery. Oh, no. So, so <laughs> if, right. I, if I were to have a walk, it'd be a hobble on crutches. Oh. So I'll probably just go sit on my balcony for an hour or something oh, like that. No, everybody go wish Ben a safe and healthy and quick recovery on his yeah. knee. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. I think like, only a few more weeks and then I'll be able to walk on it. So it's not a huge deal, but definitely annoying. Yeah. Especially when it's nice outside and you'd rather just, you know be outside instead of resting something that you don't want to rest. Yeah. And in Toronto, because our winters are so bad, everyone's yes. crazy during the summer doing 101 things. So the FOMO is definitely real, but <laughs> I, I'm making the best of it inside my apartment. But I'm excited for today's episode. I, we got a special treat for everyone listening. We do. So because I interviewed Ben and all about his journey to becoming a digital marketer and basically who he is today. Ben is going to interview me and basically on how I got to what I'm doing today. So should we yeah, just get into it? I think we should. I'm really excited because like I obviously I know your story to a degree, but I get to pry now, which is nice. <laughs> you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not very linear like yours was not linear. Yeah. No, I'm excited for it. And, and, and uh, we'll throw in a quick flicks tip before we get into the the interview, because I got one that I want to get out Ooh. there. So obviously I can't do the song justice, so <laughs> <laughs> I won't even try. But the tip for this week is just to leverage threads. I think that's a pretty obvious one. But what's new that I found is that you can do follow for follow mm-hmm. on threads and you don't really get penalized like you did like you do on regular Instagram. Oh, really? And so, yeah. And so the you can do way more actions. And so basically you can strategically follow. And plus right now with how it's structured, people's following numbers isn't displayed. So people don't really care because there's not that mental block of like, oh, I want to have a bad, good yeah. ratio. So you can follow for follow right now pretty effectively in a targeted way and grow a following that way. So I would be posting consistently on threads and leverage follow for follow while it still works because you're going to get followers for a really cheap amount of effort. Absolutely. And right now, and this is something I'll just touch on this very momentarily, but Moseri was saying that they're thinking about archiving everybody's threads after 30 days. Mm. So it'll be one of those things where if you're fearful of something living online forever and ever and ever, this could be something interesting to just actually have a play around on threads and not feel like it's going to be out there indefinitely because it could be archived after 30 days. 
That's so interesting. And that, cause that's actually a big issue with Twitter. Like every time someone achieves something, people scrape through their Twitter to try to find something they liked or that they tweeted like a decade ago. So that's really interesting. Yeah, because they're basically not wanting it to become a political platform mm-hmm. and they want people to be free to express and free to have ideas. And that's like their biggest thing that they've been basically saying that they want threads to be is a place where people can feel more free to say what they want, do what they want and have engagement and not feel like they have to be on, quote unquote, on yeah. all the time. No, that makes sense. That's that's really interesting. I didn't know that. So great additional tip. Well, yeah. well done. <laughs> but now let's put let's put you in the hot seat. So I, w- I want to get right into it. And so what does somebody have to understand about your like upbringing that brought you towards marketing? Because oh, man. I have no idea how that got there. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. So I've always been somebody who's really been into writing and just kind of engaging with how people connect with writing. And so I was like a big book nerd. I still am a big, huge book nerd. I read all the time and I like to just completely engage myself in writing. Mm -hmm. And so a turn of a phrase or just like a simple pun in marketing was always really fascinating to me and would always make me connect with brands a lot more. And so the older I got, the more I would start noticing different things like that and seeing how people would connect with brands because of like a slogan. So like, just do it by Nike or what was McDonald's? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And so, so yeah, it's just those little things that would just like get into your head and become like a little earworm for a brand And me and my friends would come, (laughs) this is so dumb, we would go to summer school because our parents were working full time. So we would like have to go somewhere during the summer. And one of our programs for summer school was to create a magazine. And in the magazine, we had to create little ads. And so we all did our own little ads and taglines and different things like that. And I think that's just, it was like that creative side and just something that would get me interested in why somebody was interested in a brand. That's fascinating because I used to be that weird kid that would, as I was buying something, I would say the jingle before I bought it. Yes. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's so funny that you were basically doing the same sort of thing. And so obviously writing is a massive part of everything you do and you're a phenomenal writer. So how did you go from this project and how did you actually like shape that into like the skills that you have now? So I actually went to school and like Ben said on his episode, you don't need to actually get a degree in marketing to work in marketing. And I, my degree isn't in marketing. My degree is in creative writing. And oh, cool. so I really wanted to be a novelist and I wanted to write books and I wanted to ghostwrite for people and do all these different things. And so I wrote short stories and I had a few submitted and a lot of rejections and it kind of shaped how I thought of things and how I would write stories. And a lot of marketing is telling a brand story. Mm -hmm. And I ended up interning at a small magazine in St. Louis and just just writing blog posts for them. And all of it was writing blog posts, writing stories for their, like interviewing some of these people in St. Louis for their magazine and writing their stories. And it didn't touch upon marketing in the traditional aspect, but it did touch upon it in different ways, like through the blog writing. Okay. And then one day, one of the women that worked there, 
she was pregnant and they actually approached me and they were like, are you interested in doing social media? Do you have any like awareness about social media? And this was, I would say 2014. Mm. And so social media was very popular, but it wasn't what it is today. It was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, like I'm, I wasn't on Instagram at the time, like still wasn't on it. I just had a Facebook and I occasionally did Twitter, but I wasn't as involved as online as <laughs> we are today. And so I kind of started playing around with it. And that's how I kind of got in. That was like my first introduction into social media is basically being thrown into it because they had somebody who was pregnant who was about to go on maternity leave and they just needed somebody just to help. That's like every good story starts with someone doing something they have no idea how to do and just, yeah. just figuring it out. But I would say for your program, like the creative writing, I would say as a marketer, that's probably more valuable than an actual marketing degree because yeah. the developing the storytelling ability is the hardest part. Like if you look at marketers, that's the lowest skill set that they have and the most important one because you can learn all the general marketing stuff pretty easily. But that's really fascinating. So how did that job go? Was it smooth? Was it not? So I was there for about a year. I interned for a few months and then went back to school and kind of forgot about that magazine as a whole. Then it came back because they approached me and the woman was actually going on maternity leave. Like she was actually going to be leaving. And so they approached me and were like, we really liked what you did with the social media when you were working with her. Would you want to actually come on and cover her while she's gone? Just cover her maternity leave. And... I kept thinking about it because I was just about to graduate from college. And I was like, you know what? I'll come on if you will actually hire me full time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just be covering her, her maternity. I want to be full time. And so we negotiated and she ended up becoming my boss. And then I was completely doing the social media marketing. And it was hard. I will just admit it. It was really, really hard because that first year I made a lot of mistakes and I didn't tweet. Like when there was a big news story, I didn't realize that I needed to tweet it out right away. I was kind of like waiting and making sure that we had enough engagement and just wasn't on it as quickly as I should have been. And I learned so much from that job. And while I was in it, it was really hard and I cried a lot and <laughs> Just because I made a lot of mistakes and I was so young. I was 19, 20. Damn. And learning, like that job taught me so much because you learned on the fly and I worked events and I learned how to interview people for social media and I learned how to make little Canva <laughs> graphics and learned how to like do hashtags and learn what kind of content actually makes people engage and what kind of content makes people really, really mad at you online. <laughs> yeah. It's important to know all those things for sure. Yeah. I, I remember there was one post that I did and I think it was when Beyonce had did the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And I tweeted an image and it was just like, hope your day is as good as like Beyonce's from last night or something. And it was like a Friday or no, it's a Monday. I'm sorry. And I was like, hope your week is as good as Beyonce's night last night. And I didn't realize because I didn't look into it enough. There was controversy from her football per or her halftime performance. What was it? I don't even remember. I think it was her outfit or something. And people were really upset about it. And there was just like 
there was a massive divide and I didn't realize it. Jeez, people get mad about everything. <laughs> everything. And so I posted it and I had all of these people commenting, were like, we're unfollowing you. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. And so that was another moment where I was just like, okay, social media will really bite you in the ass if you don't properly look into things. So it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, when before I even post anything, I need mm-hmm. to kind of really check through everything, make sure that it's... I don't know how else to say it, but it's like making sure you're not offending anybody Yeah. on either side. And it wasn't even a political statement that I was making, but <laughs> not at all. it's like to some people, it sounded like I was making a political statement. And so it's one of those things where you really just have to kind of check yourself before you post stuff. Yeah, no, and that's a great lesson there of understanding also who you're posting for, because yeah. some people, if like a political alignment is part of your brand, then for sure go for it. And you know that it's going to piss people off. So that's kind of your, your reach strategy. But if you're working for like a general brand, you don't really want to touch any, anything no. political. No. And I, and again, like I didn't realize I was making a political statement whatsoever because <laughs> yeah. I was like, look, Beyonce, Beyonce looked great last night. She yeah. was making it work. And then all these people were like, fuck you. We're unfollowing <laughs> immediately. How dare you? And I'm like, Oh no, what did I do? That's amazing. So how can someone avoid making that mistake posting for themselves like is there now that you have gone through that is there a process that you go through before you post something yeah so usually if it's a gif or anything like that i will usually kind of google it make sure that there's nothing in the first couple pages on google that is (laughs) like this is offensive (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah or i'll even type out like whatever it is and like offensive question mark just to see like if there's anything in there that I could be missing and then I do have a couple of friends who I really trust and basically I'll send them stuff and I'll be like can you please read this make sure that I'm not missing anything or overlooking anything that could be offensive to anybody and so I always recommend finding trusted people who are in the same space as you yeah and who kind of know what to look for because there's like certain words, like obviously you shouldn't be using the word tribe or you shouldn't be wor- using like certain words like that that could cause offense. And so it's always wow, really I important even, to look for those things. I didn't even think about that. That's that's like that's a fantastic tip though. Wow. There's a lot of things that even I've been in this space for a long time, but like you, you get blinders for certain things. You don't think about stuff. You're just kind of going through the motions. So that's a great reminder. And I also love that you mentioned that with that job, you had to figure out everything. There's pros and cons because obviously if you work for a smaller team that doesn't have a massive marketing team, like you're forced to do everything, which I'm yep. sure you had to do. And that's yep. obviously developed your skill set and, and look at it, look at it now, it's turned into something <laughs> awesome. So so what after this job where you learned all these things, you posted that tweet and you, you were thrown into the fire, what yep. was the next step in your marketing path? Oh God, it was not a step, it was a sidestep. The magazine kind of went under because there was a lot of like internal fighting. And so it just wasn't sustainable. So yeah, magazines, I feel would be a tough business. Yeah. And like, basically they tried to do a rebrand of the magazine. It used to be like, I don't know if you have this in Toronto, but there's like local newspaper or local magazines that kind of show like the party scene of the city. Okay. Yeah. We have similar stuff. Yeah. And so that's what it used to be. Mm. And then they tried to rebrand it into a regional, like kinfolk beauty, beautiful magazine, which okay. was a cool idea. But in, 
a pl- in like a time when magazines weren't doing as well. Mm-hmm. And it was more expensive and people just wanted to be seen in the magazine. Like that's all St. Louis wanted is like, oh my gosh, look, I'm in a live magazine and I'm like in the party section. Like, look (laughs) at me. And like that stopped. Yeah. So it kind of went under. And then when that happened, I quit before all that happened because I ended up moving to France to teach English. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. So how how did that happen? (laughs) That's so different. Yeah. So I ended up having a professor who knew that I wanted to learn French better because that was French was my minor and knew that I was like kind of scared to do it. So she knew about a program. It's like the French government. They basically sponsor a bunch of people to come over, teach English to different schools. And so she helped me apply to this government program and I got accepted. And so I taught English in a very, very small town in France, 5,000 people. Wow, that's tiny. I did that. But the thing is, I still kept the marketing side because I got my first freelance job when I was in France. And well, I'll say it was my second one. So before I actually moved... At the magazine, there was a woman who would always put ads in the magazine, and she was a wedding planner. And she needed somebody to do her social media because she didn't know anything about social media. And so one of the girls at the magazine recommended me. And so she was like my first freelance client that I ever had. It was like right before I moved to France. And so I connected with her. I said, I can still do this because I don't need to be obviously in the same country as you. Mm. And so that's what I did. I ended up doing her social media from abroad. So I was like freelancing and also teaching English. That's wicked. And so what, what, kind, of, what kind of business did she run? She was a wedding planner. A wedding planner. Okay, you said that. Yep. And so when you're over there and you're doing this freelance work, were you enjoying it or was it kind of a dread? Like what was the dynamic like? I really liked it. So I was only teaching English or you were only working for maybe 11 to 12 hours a week. So I had a lot of free time and to cover that. And you also weren't getting paid anything. We were getting paid 700 euro a month. Oh, wow. That is nothing. (laughs) So like zero money. And so I was just like, I really want to do really well for her so I can prove that I deserve more money from her. So I can kind of offset all of my travel that I want to do on the side because I'm not really making any money. So I would get up in the mornings on the days that I wasn't working. So I worked Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So like Monday mornings, I would get up early, do all of like her social content, like make a social strategy for her for the week, and then kind of schedule everything out. And you could slowly see her account start growing. And so once it was growing at a certain, like up to a certain point, that's when I approached her and I was like, if you have anybody that you know that needs social media, like, here's what I've been doing for you. And just like, let them know that I'm looking. And so that kind of started like me getting clients because I was advocating for myself. I was showing her that I was, I'm actually worth the money that I was asking for. Mm -hmm. And then when she had friends coming up to her being like, oh my gosh, your social media looks amazing. Who's doing it? Like, are you doing it? She'd be like, oh no, I have a girl for that. Here's her information. That's amazing. 
So that's kind of like how everything started. And so while I was in France, I was there for, like I said, for a year and I ended up getting two more clients while I was over there. Damn, that's perfect. And so as a freelancer, how did you decide where to prioritize your time, right? Because within social media, there's so many things that you could be doing. How did you build a system that you executed consistently? I would try to figure out how many days a week that was like good for their account. So there's a lot of people that post every single day and you're not getting the engagement that you want. And with my clients, I kind of figured out that posting every other day, so you're still keeping it consistent and keeping it fresh, but you're not repurposing the same content over and over again because a lot of them don't have enough content to post out there. And so I would go through all of their content, kind of see what they had, and then from there figure out like a schedule that would work that wasn't me either like showing too much of the brand to people Mm -hmm. because sometimes that can get overwhelming if you're just constantly seeing the brand online over and over again. You're just like, why am I seeing this person? I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like trying to figure that schedule out and then going through their analytics and seeing what people liked the most. But I would start that like in the mornings. And then from there, I would create all of their captions. And then from that would go through and figure out what kind of media or content that I actually need to make or like find to post for them. If only you had Flix caption tool back if then. Only I had that. <laughs> it would make my life so much easier. It would have wasted so much time. You could say, honestly, it would be game changing. So with these new two new, uh, yeah, and shameless plug, if you want to try out the caption generator, it's Please linked. Do. It's linked below. But f- for these new clients, were they in the same industry or were they completely outside of wedding planning? So there, one was actually a wedding photographer, so it was okay, still so wedding focused. Yeah, the other one was actually someone that my mom was connected, to, like was connected to. So my mom works has always worked in the fashion industry, cool. and the company that she worked for, they were looking for somebody to help them with their social media, and so my mom. <laughs> networking, nepotism, whatever it is. But <laughs> basically <laughs> she, she was like telling them like, Hey, my, my daughter just started doing this and she's always looking for like just anybody at this moment, just to kind of build up her portfolio if you'd be interested in that. And so it was like a very small, like family run business. Yeah, yeah. And so I started doing stuff for them and yeah, that's kind of how it all kind of worked out. That's unreal. So at this point, you're living in France, working that job, and you're running, you have three clients now. So what was the, you had to be busy at that point. So what was like the next step? Like how long were you in France? How long did you have these clients for? Like what was the next bit? So I was in France for a year and then moved back home and was so depressed because I was like, I don't want to live in St. Louis anymore. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's just like, there wasn't enough for me to do. Like, I love St. Louis and I will always be a hometown girly, but it's just not the place that I wanted to live. And so I ended up moving back. And when I moved back, I was working full time for the company that my mom connected me with. So I started doing all of their website stuff. I started doing all of their social media, all of their marketing ads, everything. And I still had those other two clients on the side So working full-time and then having clients. And then I had a friend actually reach out to me and he was like, hey, I, he he was like, he's also a photographer and he worked a lot in hospitality. So 
a lot of restaurants that he worked with. And one of the restaurants that he did photography for, they were looking for a social media manager. And so he connected me with them and I worked with them, still work with them. And they are incredible. They're called Salt and Smoke. So if you're ever in St. Louis, please hit up Salt and Smoke. He connected with me with them, gosh, five years ago now. Wow. And basically me and the owner met and we completely hit it off. And he was he had worked with an agency previously. And he was like, I just need somebody who understands my brand. And the agency was in Texas and they didn't get that they were a humor, like more of a humor brand and not very like straight laced. And they wanted to inject some of that humor into their copy and their personality and just have a personality online. Mm -hmm. And so I came in and for the first month, basically kind of shadowed Tom, which is the owner. Okay. And learned his style of speech and kind of learned how he wants to talk to customers and basically built an entire brand voice around him. Wow. And now people know me as Fom, fake Tom online. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> because I know his dialect and I know his, like, basically how he wants to present himself online. And I do, like, all their social in, like, that style of voice. Wow. That, that, that consistent brand voice and being unique is so underappreciated is because it's also really hard to do. So you shadowed him, but like, how could someone else achieve something similar if they can't shadow someone like, cause that would, that sounds like it'd be really hard to do. I'm sure your, your writing experience helped with that, but like, how, yeah. could, how could someone else do that? So another thing that I would recommend, and this is like, because I couldn't shadow him for like a full month, it would be like me just texting him and being okay. like, Hey, I have a question for you. Like, how would you respond to this? Mm. I remember one day I did have a phone call with him and we were going through different reviews and how he would respond to reviews. Okay. And I would be like, okay, this person has a negative experience. This is their exact experience. How would you respond to this? Wow. And so he would give me that. And so it's just, honestly, you would just have to talk to your clients mm. and ask them questions. They might not know, they might not think they know what they want. But if you dig deep enough and they will push back on stuff that you think is what they want, and that's how you know that they actually do know what they want. Mm. Just keep digging and ask questions and questions and questions. I did have a client that we didn't really vibe that much, and it was just because I didn't understand their brand voice. Okay. And I tried, and they just the style that I write in wasn't the style that they were looking for. And that's okay. Like mm -hmm. I Completely. had to learn that I can't be the same brand voice that they for wanted. Everyone. Yeah. 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 And you just have to learn that, that it's okay that you might not be for everybody. And that was a hard lesson for me. Cause I, they, I ended up letting them go, mm. which was important for me to do. But yeah, it just, it was, it was a really hard client for me. I would spend so much time, on trying to get it right. And I just wasn't getting it. And so I ended up losing money because I was on a retainer. Putting... Yeah. And so I like ended up losing money because I was spending too much time on their stuff. And that's a great lesson too, is that the right clients, it should be pretty easy to fulfill the service. Yep. Like it should be pretty smooth and, and they should be easy to work with. You should enjoy it. And so, and also the fact that you found their unique brand voice for the, the barbecue spot, like, like when they, the owner sees that, them showing up online the way that they want to show up online. The fact that they've been there for five years 
says everything, yeah. right? Like that's how yeah. important that stuff is. And that's how much they, they're going to love that. And they're never going to leave. So when you, when you were building out this voice and understanding how he wants to show up and you were becoming FOM, did you build like a, a guideline or, or was it all in your brain for like how you were to do this? Yeah, it's been mainly in the brain. I probably should write out a brand voice, to be honest, because we've worked with a few different agencies for video work. And we try to stay consistent with using that same photographer that was the one who introduced me. But it would probably be easier if we did actually end up making a brand voice, but it is all in the head. And it's something that me, Tom, and then there's the other owner, Haley, that we've all kind of developed and what we want to see online and how we want to present ourselves online. Okay. That's awesome. So you now have these clients, you're back in St. Louis at this point, right? Yes. Okay. And so then what was the next decision? Because you you said that you made it very clear you didn't want want to live in St. Louis. So then what was the solution to that problem? Or how did you start Um, doing that? So I was working full time still Mm -hmm. at the fashion company and doing all the freelance stuff on the side. And uh, while I was working on this company, I got a Facebook message from this woman who used to advertise with the magazine. Okay. And we were Facebook friends for some reason. I can't remember why. (laughs) We just ended up connecting. And she owned a travel agency. And so she was just like, hey, I saw that you had lived in London for school. I also saw that you lived in France for a year. I see that you really like to travel and you're in marketing. I was just wondering if you want to work with me full time and become a travel agent, but also do all of my marketing and social media. And I was like, done. Like, I don't like I want to travel. I want to see the world. I don't want to be in St. Louis. This sounds incredible. And so I quit the full-time job at the fashion company and moved to the travel company. Damn. That's amazing. So first well, of all, that sounds perfect. Also, I want to hear a lot more about it, but you didn't even tell, tell me about the, you went to school in England. I didn't even know that part. What did that oh, happen? yeah, yeah. I went, to, yeah, I went to undergrad for two years in England. Oh, damn. Okay. So then you took this job and did you, where'd she, where'd she get you to move to? Were you all over the place or, or how did that work? So it was still in St. Louis. So she was St. Louis based. But then I ended up doing a bunch of different travel jobs with her. So I was traveling a lot and then started doing like two months on, two months off in London because this is kind of where I wanted to be. And I just would travel back and forth to Europe all the time. And then, but I would do like Paris Fashion Week or I would do London Fashion Week and I would just be taking groups to different places around the world. And also doing social media and like vlogging like while I was in these places for her. That's so cool. And then again, still doing my freelance for the other clients as well. Damn. So are these videos still up? Can I see these vlogs? They were just like little videos on on her Instagram oh, and okay. Facebook. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And so, so how long were you at the this agency? I was at the travel agency for... About a year and then I ended up getting, well, it was a year and then COVID happened. Okay. And then the world shut down. So I became full freelance during the... Oh, yeah. I guess there's not much need for travel agents. (laughs) Yeah. So when the world shut down, I became fully freelance because I had enough clients on the side to still do that. Okay. I ended up moving to London during that just because I was like, I don't want to be in St. Louis. You just picked up and, and went? I did. Yeah. So I was only here for a few months, 
But I was just like, I'd rather be in a place that I really love yeah. shut down and lockdown <laughs> and things like that instead of being stuck in my apartment in St. Louis where there's nothing for me to do. True. And so I did that. And then one day, randomly, I applied for this job at Flick, not expecting to get it because it was based in London. and But it did say remote. So I was like, perfect. This is good. And... A month later, or a couple weeks later, I got a, an email from Sam saying, "Hey, we want to interview you." That's amazing! Sh- shout out to Sam. The what is his what is his official role? Sam is, is the CMO. He's also the founder. He yeah. is the designer. He is everything at Flick. He's an all around badass. So then, obviously, that went well because we're speaking right now. So then, you're taking this job, and when did you go back to St. Louis again, or how did that work? Like, or did you? Yeah, stay? so I had to be. Yeah, so I had to be back in St. Louis. So I was in London for like, I want to say like three, four months. Okay. Went back to St. Louis, got the email from Sam and was in St. Louis for eight, nine months before my visa came in and I moved. So so they were able to get a visa for you, obviously, because yeah. you're there right now. So that, so that literally checked all of your boxes. It's crazy yeah. how, the, how the world works. That's, yeah. that's actually mental. And so... Manifesting is what yeah, they call it, I think. Honestly, you're good. You should teach a course on that or something. But uh, for... For that process, like, was that really difficult to get a visa? Honestly, I'm not 100% sure. Like, I know it's really hard for a lot of Americans and to get a visa in the UK. Yeah. I don't want this. There's Visas are so complicated. Yeah, it's yeah, there's so, um, so many, so much yeah. nuance to it. It also depends what kind of job you have, all exactly. that stuff. So for people, like, looking to get advice on how to move to Europe and things like that, the, I am not your not girl. The person. <laughs> yeah. Do not ask me the questions. I will just say that Flick did was incredible and they were w- willing to sponsor me for doing the job that I do because they wanted me so much and I really, really appreciate and love them for that. But yeah, visas are really hard. I wanted to move to London for like so many years and... It's perfect. The perfect fit. Once in a lifetime thing. Absolutely. No, that's amazing. And with vi- with visas also, it matters so much where you are from. Like there's so much nuance and context to it because I could easily get a visa to the UK and like no problem. I could get one yep. like in like a week. But it, to go to the States as a Canadian is almost impossible. Yeah. Like it's so... so it's the exact same. It's yeah. so strange how it, uh, it structures like that. But... Hey, there's always a way. I, and Mackenzie, I think the biggest lesson that yeah. she just shared is that there's always a way, especially if you're creative and yeah. you just kind of take matters into your own hands. So yeah. so how long have you been with Flick now? Is, that, is it two or three years? Two years now, yeah. And, and you've been in London for a year and a half? Yep. Okay. And how are you? Is, is Are you still in love with London I'm or is that faded? still in love with London. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to go home ever. <laughs> so this is a happy story. Yeah, I still and I still obviously love Flick and yeah. really hope that people like it as much as obviously we both do. Yeah. But yeah, I had so many opportunities open with this job, like mm. being able to start a podcast and being able to interview really interesting humans who are in marketing, who like branding, who have good brand voice and just like dig deeper into their like little brains. That's absolutely vital to like, like like what you do first of all and then also be able to speak with other people that like what they do it just makes yeah. everything so much better you can it sounds like very hippy dippy but you can feel the vibrations when you deal with people <laughs> and when people love what they do it just it radiates onto you and you're just energized so no, yeah. no that's awesome and also everyone at flick too like i'm, I don't know if they'll, they'll hear this but like everyone on the team is the same similar similar vibe like everyone's yes. always so energetic and positive so kudos to the the founders that to put that t- team together because yeah. it's it's infectious Absolutely. No, I love it. And I've, like I said, I've just met so many good humans that 
it's and like your story, it my journey has not been linear whatsoever. <laughs> I've been here, I've been <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> been all over the place and i think that's just anybody who's in social media and marketing in general it's just like your path is all over the place 100 it's also like we forget how like it's still very new we've been in it for a very long time but in terms of industries it's still pretty young and so naturally with that you kind of got to be adaptable and and you obviously were and it got you to (laughs) to where you want to go so that's that's freaking awesome yeah, you just got pushed into everything at the beginning and then just kind of was like, Figure okay, well, I guess this is my job now. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people who have that similar story and it kind of like mine as well in terms of social media. It's just, uh, it's here now, I'm going to do this. And then yeah, you figure exactly. it out. <laughs> Mess, I have to learn how to do this now, like on the fly. 100%. And that's where the best skills come from. But that was yeah. th- that was awesome. Thank you so much for for sharing that, all that, being candid and, and, and all that. I'm sure people took a lot. And also, I learned a lot now, so... I oh, now perfect. know so much more about marketing McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, about me and yeah. all of my my wonderful journey. hundred <laughs> percent. We'll have to we'll have to do something more like this in the future because that was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a flick feature today? Flick feature. I could find one. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I think we've shouted out this person's husband before, but I don't think I've ever shouted out her. So her name is Layla Hermosi. And so she is the wife of Alex Hermosi. And so they both run a company called acquisition.com. And so what acquisition.com is, is a portfolio of companies. So basically if you're at, I think it's between two and 5 million, they will acquire a percentage of your business and then they'll use their systems and their teams to scale it to like 10, 20 plus beyond. So, and because they have such a unique business model, their whole like branding is they're not trying to sell you anything because they're only really dealing with people that are making two to five million per year. So all the content they share is from a genuine place. And why Layla's I'm shutting her out today is because what she does is really, really interesting. Like she'll never be as big as Alex just because the kind of things she talks about, she talks about like the inner workings of a business. So if you run a business or like you're trying to scale a business, her content is amazing because it's all the boring stuff. It's all the stuff that no one really thinks about, like building out systems, hiring, like all of these things that aren't sexy. They're not going to pull millions of views, but without them, a business can't grow and it can't function. She's definitely grown a lot, but uh, I'd say she deserves more followers because her stuff is awesome and she's brilliant. Amazing. Yeah, and well, I think her, her her handle, sorry to cut you off, is Layla spelled L-E-I-L-A and then N, the letter N is in Nancy, and then Hermosi, which is H-O-R-M-O-Z or Z, depending where you are, <laughs> I. We will link her in the show notes because that sounds really fascinating. I'm always interested in the boring bits of business because obviously we're in business. Yes. So. <laughs> so we have to deal with the boring bits, but yeah, you'll, you'll, exactly. you'll love her stuff. She's also like just wildly knowledgeable and she's pretty young too. For, considering how successful they are, it's, it's really, it's really cool to see. Amazing. Well, please go look at her Instagram and give her a follow. And if you liked this episode and if you liked hearing all about little, little me, please give it a five-star review so people can come find us and share the podcast and all that fun stuff. And if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at flick.social on Instagram and threads and YouTube and TikTok, just all of them. And you can find us over on Twitter at flick underscore social, because obviously you can't be... Yeah, you can't do dots on Twitter because Elon, can you please fix that? I would like everything to be the same, but... Please fix that, Elon, if you're listening. I'd appreciate it. Anything else that we should 
plug at the end? Uh, I think our newsletter or Facebook community slash both. Definitely go check those out. If, if you, because the Facebook community is great because you can get feedback on things if you have questions and stuff like that. And then the newsletter is great because as Mackenzie just shared, she is a brilliant writer with years of experience and she goes very in depth into a lot of, of the hot pressing subjects. So you can get a lot of your information delivered in an easy to consume and enjoyable way so that you're staying on top of all the stuff that matters. Absolutely. Well, we will talk to you all next week. Goodbye. Peace.